Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I trust just something that I'm going to share just for a few minutes will just inspire you and will inspire all ages. So this is not a message that is for just for older people. This is a message for all kinds of people this evening. Because of what I do, I'm often impacted by death. Unfortunately, because of the job that I do, as in a church minister, you know, part of what we have to do, we have the joy of celebrating new life and new babies and this willow here and there's other little babies, it's a joy. And we also get the joy of seeing people marry and that's wonderful. You need to understand part of the challenge of what I do is I have to navigate and try and navigate people through death. If anybody's ever lost a little baby, and some of you have, days old, it's a very, very traumatic time. If anybody's ever lost a loved one to cancer, and it's been particularly cruel, it's very, very difficult as you try and navigate people through that. And I always feel the stress and tension and pressure of death. People suffer with death because there's no hope to death. Or in most instances, people can't see in that moment any hope or any light or any, any, any way of getting through. You know, when you're dealing with young people who've lost a mum or a dad, it's just really, really tough. But today, tonight, we're talking about hope is here in death. How is that possible? Guys, how is that possible? How can it be that there is hope here in death? You see, the difference about this death that we're talking about that we've heard demonstrated through the songs that Jay has so confidently and powerfully declared through the spoken word and Annie and Kev have sung Amazing Grace. What we're talking about here is there was hope in this death. You see, the point is, and many of you here and know this, but some of you may not know this, so I'm going to take my chance. It's like going on a date. You're there and you think, I'm going to have a crack at this. I'm just going to go for it. So I'm going to have a go for it. It's not like there's a date here going on. But if you've never heard this, I'm going to tell me crack now because you might never ever get another chance to hear what I'm going to say to you this evening. There is hope in this death. Hope in this death. Not just in resurrection, but hope in death. Hope is here. Why is there hope in this death? Well, this death that's different to where the other death brought life. This death bought life. I remember looking at the scenes on the television when Princess Diana was tragically killed in a car accident and the outpouring of grief that people had, people who didn't know her, were crying and sobbing genuinely, not just caught in the, up in the euphoria, just genuinely caught up in the emotion of that moment and there was no hope because it brought nothing. But this death 
brought life. That is why hope is here. I'll keep saying it to the very beginning because I want you to understand it. You know, and I am glad that we belong to a church that doesn't just celebrate Easter and we declare the gospel message on this one weekend and then we revert back to the usual trivial, trivialness of, I will say, of some other churches. I'm glad that this is a message that here at Arena, we declare week after week, day after day throughout the year. We don't just wait for one weekend to announce the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I have to say this weekend is incredibly special. It's more than just Easter bunnies and Cadbury's making millions and Ferrero Rocher creaming it and getting all the money in. It's way more than, you know, Tesco selling the daffodils for double the price that they normally would sell them for. It's more than just eating hot cross buns. There's a message behind Easter that most people have no comprehension about. And some people will say to me, well, what's the point? What's the point of Easter? Well, let me tell you, Christmas is the promised, but Easter is the proof. Christmas is the promise, but Easter is the proof. You see, this is the thing. Let me get down to business now with you because I'm going to take my crack. There's two things I want to say to you that entered the world. The first thing is this. Don't switch off. Sin entered the world. Sin entered the world and sin is wrapped up in selfishness. At the very root of sinfulness, it's selfishness, pleasing ourselves. How can this benefit me? All about my life, me, myself and I. It's just about me and it's wrapped up in all those things and sin entered the world. It entered the world so, so powerfully and brought down all of mankind If you read the Bible accounts, you'll see how sin entered the world. And literally within a few chapters, they were just doing all the kinds of things that we see in the 21st century. There's no difference at all. We all say it's getting worse and worse. Now read your Bibles. These things were happening all through, you know, mankind. And sin entered the world. In fact, this is what it says about sin. In Romans in chapter 3. And verses 9 through to 18, I'm not going to read them all. I'm just going to read the first verse, verse 9, because it says here that Paul, the writer of Romans, was talking about a particular group, the Jews and the Gentiles. And there was a debate that was going on. And Paul cut straight to it and he basically says this, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. He was making the point, it doesn't make any squatted difference to him if you're from a religious background and you're a Jew, you are a sinner like the Gentiles. We're all sinners. We've all messed up. We've all made, made mistakes. And you're here today, you may say, that's a bit bold. That's the reality. And then he goes on to say what this sin looks like. He uses things like, words like, no one does God. No one seeks God. He says, he says all have turned from God. All have gone the wrong way. He uses the expression of sin, Josh, because it says this, that people use foul talk, lying speech. They're full of cursing and bitterness. Does this sound the world like you live in? It does the kind of world that I live around. 
it goes on to say that there are some people who are quick to murder. They're destructive and they're filled with misery. It's interesting that some people think if they won a million, they'd be happy. They win a million, they're still miserable. They win 10 million, they're still miserable. It might be a moment that they have some kind of relief from that misery, but ultimately it leads to misery. And then he goes on to say, and about these people who are sinning, they have no fear of God. Now, before you take the high road, this is a list that describes me outside of Jesus. This is a list that describes you when you were in your world and your ways. And for those who really need some convincing, then Paul, a few verses later from Romans 3, then says this, because he wants to underline it. In verse 23, he says, For all have sinned. For all have sinned. And we've all fallen short of God's requirements and God's standards. There was sin that entered the world. But I am very, very grateful that Jesus entered the world. C.S. Lewis, that great author, said this. There are three possible explanations to Jesus. He's either mad, bad, or he is who he claims to be. I have a firm conviction that Jesus was not mad and that he was not bad, but he was exactly who he claimed to be. Let me announce to you this evening that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the one who paid the price for our sin and for our guilt and for our shame. And Jesus entered this world. He came with the purpose of becoming the perfect once for all sacrifice for our sins. And in Matthew 26 and 27, we actually read, and some of you have done this as we've led up to Good Friday. You've read through the Gospels, and we see Jesus in the Gospels. And again, for time, we're not going to turn to it all. But we see there Jesus going through an unfair trial. In fact, the people said about Jesus, the, 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 the governors of the time, we see, see, we, need, we see no wrong in him. But because the people were crying for blood, crucify him, crucify him, he's handed them over to the people. As a result of that unfair trial, he was handed over into the hands of religious people. Religious people. And the religious people beat him. The religious people spat at him. The religious people cursed him. They then handed him over to the Roman soldiers who were then going to take him to the point of crucifixion. And they went one step further. They whipped him. They lashed him. They beat him. They crushed him. They spat at him. They ridiculed him. They mocked him. And we heard on Sunday so powerfully by a preacher that came through this church who described how the Gospels actually are very kind in their words and their terminology. But the reality is you would not have seen flesh on Jesus. They tore All his flesh from his body. He was unrecognizable. And Jesus ultimately then hung upon a cross. And there are three things that I just want to finish with to help us to try and understand what Jesus did through entering the world to conquer the sin that entered the world. And what can we learn from this Moment on the cross. 
Three things. Number one, God was willing to do whatever was required to save you. God was willing to do whatever was required to save you. He was willing to give the Father, God the Father, the creator of the universe, was willing to hand over into the world's hands his beloved, his precious son, Jesus. And Jesus' sole purpose, he was not coming to earth trying to figure out, as most of us have done with our life, what our life consists of. I talk to a lot of people who are trying to still figure out what their life is, and people even, even into their 20s, that's fine. At some point, you've got to figure out what your purpose is, but most people are trying to figure it out. Jesus knew his purpose was to die. His purpose was to be the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. He was willing to do whatever was required of him. The second thing that I learned from the cross is this. Every person, I'll say that again, every person can be saved and every sin is forgiven. You may say, really? I want to say really back to you. Every person. What the worst of sinners? The worst of sinners. What every sin, even those things that you wouldn't want people knowing about. Every sin. Every person. Every sin. He came so you would be saved and you can find forgiveness. This offer is to all. The worst of sinners. Even if you feel you continue to mess up and screw up and trip up, I want to tell you, he is the God of one chance and two chances and three chances. Shall I keep going? And four chances and five chances and six chances. Now, listen to me, if any kids in the house, you only need one, you know, telling off from your dad and you say, I'm going to give you one more chance. I'm not God, okay? Isaac, I'm not God. You're only getting two chances. But God, he's the God of many chances. Am I talking to anybody this evening? I know this to be true in my life. Oh my goodness. The times I've messed up. The times with David when he's actively pursued me and I've done my own thing. He's the God of grace and never-ending Reckless love. Some people say around this, every person can be saved and every sin is forgiven. No, it can't be. What I need to do is I need to clean my life up. Once I've cleaned my life up, once I've got myself smartened up, once I've got myself sorted out, then I'll come to Jesus. And I'll often say to people like this, you'll never be good enough. You'll never be strong enough. You'll never be clean enough. Just come as you are. Julie so brilliantly reminded us that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait till Leonie and Ron sorted themselves out. He didn't wait till Rob and Julie thought, well, once they get cleaned up, then I'll come to them. Now, whilst they were still in their mess, in their shame, in their guilt, Christ came to them. Yeah, thank you, Josh. He wasn't saying thank you to me. He was saying thank you to God. And that is our response. Thank you. Thank you. The third thing we can be reminded about this is not that he'll do whatever, not that every person 
can be saved and every sin can be forgiven. But lastly, and so important, you understand he's still with me tonight. We are only made right with God through Jesus. We are only made right with God through Jesus. You see, Jesus provided the way. But I want to just underscore this. Any religion, organization, or person that does not acknowledge faith through Jesus is not real. It is only through Jesus that we are saved. It's only through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we can come into relationship with him. I'm not having a pop at other groupings. I'm just stating the fact my Bible tells me Jesus declared himself. He said of himself, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You can try all your good works. You can try your charitable giving. You can try living the tightrope of righteousness and thinking you're doing really well. You can even come to church every Sunday here. You can give into the offering. You can volunteer down the community work. You can volunteer in the hospital. You can do vocational work, teaching and nursing, seeking goodwill to all people, all wonderful stuff. But it will not get you into the presence of God. It will not get you into a right relationship with Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus that we have access to the Father. I need to declare that very, very clear tonight. Because there's some of the Gospels that go around. And those Gospels are not real. They are real to them. But I want to tell you, they are delusional. And that is not the truth. Through Jesus, through Jesus, we have access to the Father. And we see that we can be made right with God through Jesus. Even in those closing moments of our lives, I have been reflecting a little bit on the criminals on the cross. I think it comes from Sunday and David talking about the centurion. But I was just thinking a little bit more about the criminals that hung on the cross with Jesus. Because Luke 23 identifies there were two other criminals that were sentenced to crucifixion and death with Jesus. There's much I could say about that, but Jesus just took up the common, ordinary death of the day. Because again, he just wanted to embrace and acknowledge and be associated with humanity. And we noticed there were two criminals that were on the cross with Jesus. And one criminal mocked this Jesus and said, if you're the son of God, you know, sort yourself out and get your angels and they'll sort you out. And the other criminal said, leave him alone. And then basically said to him, will you remember me? Will you remember me? These criminals were deserving of their death. They'd clearly done things that were wrong. There are some people who you could easily identify in the world and through the news and media that you think they are deserving of death. We'll keep that to another day and another debate. But I want to tell you what Jesus said of this man. He didn't look at him through the eyes of a criminal. He looked at him through the eyes of God. 
I have this phrase, the staff have heard me as I've been praying. You know, we have to be very careful how we view people. You know, you might be here as a criminal. You might be here as somebody who's got a past. You might be here as somebody who's continuing to live your life how you want to live it. I want to look at you how Jesus looks at you. Because Jesus looks at you as a very broken, beautiful person. He looks at you through his eyes of beauty, not through the eyes of the world, which is brokenness. Do you understand that? And when this criminal said to him, will you remember me? Jesus said, this day you will be with me. In paradise. This criminal knew we're only made right with God through Jesus. As I finish, many of us try to live our lives trying to make God love us rather than living because He has already loved us. I'll say that again. Numbers of us try to live our lives so that he will love us rather than living because he has already loved us. I want to tell you this evening, you are loved by God. You are precious in his sight. He did whatever he could. He moved heaven and earth to be in your world. He purchased for you salvation and forgiveness and then provided a doorway and said to you, if you want to come through the doorway, it's called my son, Jesus, then you can have access to all the forgiveness and all the joys and all the relationship of being with God. That is why, listen to me, that is why oh, I feel like I do want to do a skip and a jump Hope is here. That is why hope is here through the death on a cross. Because it wasn't an aimless death. There was purpose to his dying. The purchase of mankind. Listen to me, you over, you guys over here, you've been brilliant. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for respecting me and listening. You guys who are teenagers. I was a teenager When I made a decision to follow Jesus, I had no idea really in that moment what was happening. But I knew that I wanted Jesus. I knew that I needed Jesus. There's other people I've spoken to who you've been in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. And dare I say even some of you in your 60s. And you've come to the realization that Jesus is the answer to your life. I want to declare he is the answer to all of our lives. Can I hear a big amen? He really is. And we thank him and we praise him. And today I just wonder if you'd just give me a moment. I wonder if the musicians would come because I'm nearly through and the chips are on the way. (laughs) I wonder if for just another few moments, if we could just bow your heads in quietness. The reason why I say that is, There are some people who need to pray this prayer with me tonight. Because you have no assurance that you've walked through the door called Jesus. 
You've heard a lot about religious stuff. You may have even come to church. But you've not got an assurance that you belong to him. You've not got that assurance that your sins have been forgiven. You've not got that assurance and that knowledge that before that God loves you. But tonight, listen to me, tonight is different. So all close your eyes, all bow your heads just for one minute. And the invitation from Jesus through me is to say, look, if you're weary with your life and where it's heading and where it's going and where it's been, and you want to receive hope for your heart, you want to know what it is to live free, to just live free of all the weight, the guilt, the shame, the answer is Jesus. I wonder if I could encourage everybody to pray this prayer. Repeat it after me. But particularly those who are reaching out to God in this moment. And you're saying, God, I want to know you. I want you to be Lord of my life. If that is you, I want you to really pray this out. I want us all to do it audibly. The church could help me tonight. So just repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus. I thank you for this evening. I thank you for this message that has come through this service of your amazing grace, of your never-ending reckless love. I come as I am, the mess that I am, and I give my life to you. Please forgive me. I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. I invite you into my life. Change every part of my life. Give me new purpose. Fill me with hope. Fill me with peace. Fill me with love. I receive the forgiveness from heaven tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed for a minute. If you prayed that prayer tonight and you meant it from your heart, just lift your hand up where you are now. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Precious Savior. And others. Oh, Jesus, you're here. In this moment, in this moment, Lord. Wash people clean. In this moment, give people that assurance that I can't give them, but you're depositing in their hearts now a confidence that they are forgiven, that they are washed, they are cleansed through your life. And I pray, Lord, that O Cross Arena Church this message we declare more and more and more. Give us more opportunities to declare it to the world. Hope is here. Hope is here.